I'm so excited to be able to do this today. Um, before I even go anywhere or say anything or do anything, I just want to take the opportunity to honour Pastor Dex for giving me this opportunity to be able to come up here on the pulpit um, and do this. We have, the last year in 2018, we were so blessed to have so many different guest speakers um, be able to come up here and a pastor who is willing so often um, to give up his pulpit so that other people can come and preach, I think is an, a, a massive blessing to us as a church. So Pastor Dex, I just want to honour you for your mentorship, for your leadership, for your ministry, uh, for your friendship uh, and your guidance for, like, with me for the last year. I'm so grateful for God, like to what you and Demi do for our church, and we're so blessed, and for Chikaran and Cordan as well, everything that they do for us as well. I just want to honour you guys um, tonight. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. So, tonight, as Pastor Dex said, yeah, during the week, he messaged me, and he's like, oh, what, what, um, what passage are you going to be speaking on? I was like, oh, Ecclesiastes. And then he said, are you sure? And I was like... I don't know, am I sure? Like, should I be preaching on this passage? But I genuinely feel that God has been speaking to me through this passage. Um, and many people do find Ecclesiastes daunting because it's, they find it hard to see the gospel in Ecclesiastes. But I actually think that this, this book is actually saturated with the gospel, um, that there's so much encouragement in it as well. And so my message tonight, as you probably gathered from the uh, scripture that we just read, is... Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, I know that there's some of you that are a bit younger than others in this place, um, but that doesn't matter. Um, we're just going to really focus on, on remembering God. And, and I have two goals tonight. And my first goal is that I hope, as Pastor Dex mentioned, the next year is going to be a year of multiplication for us. I have it on my heart and I believe firmly that God is going to be doing great things in this church. And I'm so excited for that, and I'm, as I'm sure like most of you guys are as well. So we're going to be going from strength to strength and God is going to be doing great things in our church. But as life happens, some not so great things tend to happen in life. And so I hope as my first encouragement that we're going to be able to take whatever it is that comes our way, good or bad, in our stride. And the second thing is that I hope that you guys are encouraged about what your meaning and your purpose in life is. Because I think sometimes we can be in seasons of transition, especially at the beginning of the year. Some of us are moving from high school to uni. Some of us are moving to uni in the workforce. Some people are having kids. Some people are getting married. There's all different types of things going on. And amidst all that, sometimes we can, we can be at a loss about where our purpose and where our, our meaning is. And so that's my goal tonight. And above all else, I want us to keep the gospel in mind as we're going through the scripture. So if you guys are willing, before we get into the scripture, let's just pray. So Father God, I just thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that in it is revelation about who you are, God. Lord, and in that revelation, you speak to us about who we are and how we relate to you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would be in this place tonight, God, that you would work in the hearts of these people, Lord, and in my heart too, God. Holy Spirit, you are the ultimate teacher. So God, I just pray that you would come and teach us. As for me, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way, God, not be a distraction to what you want to say tonight, because everyone needs to hear from you more than they need to hear from me. So God, we love you. We glorify you. We magnify your name in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Now, I'm really thirsty, so I'm just going to take a sip of water before I go on. But if you've got your Bibles, your Bible apps, whatever it is, if you've committed the Bible to memory, come with me uh, to Ecclesiastes. And we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. Um, if you have an Apple phone, I'd ask you just to keep that in your pockets. The Lord only anoints Android phones, so, so we're not going to worry about that. On Thursday night at the Billy Graham thing, I'm just going to have a bit of a tangent. They had these like QR codes to sign in for it. And everyone's coming in with their iPhones and like QRing, like just on their camera app. They didn't need anything special. And everyone's like able to sign in me with my Android phone. I had to type the entire address line in, in order to sign up. Yeah, so I'm a little bit salty about that. And I brought my wonderful heckler brother Bryce here today. So... Cool. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1. Um, and now before we go into that, I just want to give you a bit of context about Ecclesiastes. So it's part of what's called the wisdom literature in the Bible. And so if you don't know about the wisdom literature, it encompasses Job, Proverbs, which is Proverbs, uh, the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. If you know what the Song of Solomon is about, that's an entirely different type of wisdom altogether. But... Um, but yeah, it's, it's meant to be, it's important to remember that wisdom literature is not the voice of God. Like it's not thus says the Lord. It's not prophetic literature. It's actually human beings meditating on life and giving wisdom about how to live life for God in this time. So with that in mind, let's go straight into the first verse. The words of the teacher, a son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Do you guys feel encouraged? I sure do. <laughs> so now it's important to remember also that we have translated from, English to, from Hebrew to English here as well. And so the word meaningless in Hebrew is actually hevel, which means smoke or vapor. Now you can see that meaningless doesn't entirely grasp what that means. Other translations say pointless. Some others say vanity. The message, which is a paraphrase, not a translation, says smoke, funnily enough. So that's pretty accurate. So what we're going to do is I thought we'd have a little bit of fun today. So I'm going to grab this table and I'm going to need a volunteer. If anyone's game enough, there's a little bit of fire involved. All right, Bryce, come up. Come up. Now, I did ask Pastor Dexter's permission to do this. Um, which one of these is better than that one? We'll try this first. Yeah. So just maybe just stand back a little bit because I've got about eight matches in there. Okay. Oh. Uh, Bryce, are you game enough to hold it? No, not the entire table, just the cup. I don't, I don't know whether we want to do this. All right, hold it, but like hold it far, far out from you. All right, so what we're going to do is I'm just going to wrap this up. You'll see what I'm getting at in a minute. I hope this is going to work. Of all things that I've been praying for this week about this sermon, that this would work as the most. So. Also pray if my hand blows up. It's all right, we'll just lay hands and pray for healing. It's fine. Now this will take a while. And when it goes, don't drop it. Yeah, probably. It's all right. Don't throw it at us as well. <laughs> Take that past the Hold it steady. Yeah, it will go. It will pop. Come on. 
light in Jesus' name. Oh, damn. Yeah, there it is. Did it work? No. Oh, it's a little bit of vapor. I think that's just mine. It's all right. We got another one. Oh. Oh, look, meaninglessness. Yeah, no, that didn't work. All right, we'll try it again. I had a backup. We got plan B. So let's try. Even if this doesn't work, I'm sure you get my point. Alright. Huh? Ah, you know what? Let's not worry about it. It's gonna be too hard. Anyway, imagine there's smoke in here. That's not coming out. Alright. So there's smoke in here, right? Sure. Hold your hands out. I want you to catch the contents of this glass. Alright. <laughs> oh, well, I can't catch it. Yeah, awesome. So that was essentially my point. So I wanted you guys to have a visualization. But by the providence of God, that didn't work, um, so which is fine. But anyway, imagine smoke, smoke, right? So it's, it's got, you can see it, you can physically see it, you can smell it, um, but you can't, if you try and grab it, you can't grab it. No matter what you try and do, you cannot grasp smoke. And that's what this is talking about. It's not saying that things don't have meaning, but what it's saying is that in the light of eternity... All things, by comparison, have no meaning because they are fickle. They are not always um, consistent. Um, and so that's what it's saying. So the word meaningless, the word hevel is used 78 times in the Old Testament. 38 of those times is used here in this book. So when you read Ecclesiastes and you read meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, it's really easy to get a bit... Uh, like, wow, this is really not encouraging at all. It's like, it is a little bit of a downer if you don't know how to read it. Um, and so, it's talking about there being no meaning in all the things of life. So, it's saying that everything is temporary. Everything that we try and strive for is temporary. Uh, we can't grasp it. So, if you come with me to chapter 2, the only certainty that the book of Ecclesiastes talks about is death. And that's also depressing in itself. And so a lot of people will go out and live their lives thinking, well, that's all there is. So I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to try and live it up. I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to go out and make money. I'm going to go out and build houses. And that's exactly what the voice of the teacher did in this book. So if we go to chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 1, um, and I'm probably going to skip a few verses here, but... That's okay. So it says in chapter 2, verse 1, I said to myself, Come, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens in the few days that they had of their lives. How often do we do this, I wonder? How often do we go out as people? And I, and I just want to say now before, just so like I'm clear, I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you guys. Like, I don't want you to think that like I'm some kind of hypocrite that, that has it all together and that is speaking to you guys from this book and 
that's not true. Like, I am just as hopeless at this Christian thing as anybody else is. Not saying that you guys are hopeless, of course. <laughs> but, but as far as things go, I am trying my hardest, just as the rest of you guys are, I'm sure. And so, but still, we can, we can go out and live our lives and seek pleasure. And that's exactly what the voice of the teacher does in this book. He goes out and builds houses for himself. He goes out and gets uh, mansions and collects wealth. It says that he goes out and conquers nations and takes all the goods from those nations and he is above all kings. They think that the voice of the teacher is the voice of Solomon who the Bible says to us is the wisest and richest king that Israel ever had. And so let's look at what he says in verse 10. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was heavy, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He did all types of things to try and, and get pleasure. And it says that he did nothing that his heart desired. So the desire for satisfaction, the desire for meaning, the desire for purpose was all already in his heart. And so he tried to, to fulfill that purpose in whatever way he could. He went out, he had concubines. I think Solomon had about a thousand wives. How he did that, I don't know, but he had about a thousand wives and concubines altogether. <laughs> all righty i won't say any more on that one um but yeah so he did all things so it tells us that that we have this desire in our heart that that needs satisfaction but the things of the world cannot provide that satisfaction for us because they don't last, they're meaningless, they're heavy, they're like smoke. As soon as we think we've got it, it, it falls from us. And for us in the church sometimes as well, I'm just going to give a bit of my personal testimony. Some of you may or may not know, I became a Christian about five years ago um, because I was at a point in my life where I had absolutely no direction. Um, I was going from high school into university, and let me tell you, I was completely lost. Um, and I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do. I didn't get the right ATAR to be able to get into the course that I actually wanted to study. And so I enjoyed film, and so I settled. I thought I would go and study film. And so I thought, this is it. This is going to give me direction. This is going to give me purpose. And so I went and studied film, and guess what? There was no meaning or purpose in film at all. In fact, it was actually quite draining. And then, by chances and circumstances that I know now are 100% God, it's all God-directed entirely by His, His will and His guidance, I ended up in a church. And that first day I was in a church, there was a man who was able to... He was extremely prophetic, and I gave my heart to the Lord that day. This man was able to tell me things and about myself that, that only I knew. And so the Holy Spirit in that moment was discerning of my heart and laid my heart bare before me. And so I received Christ on that day. 
And then I had the best like six months of my life being a new Christian. It's like so great. You're like, yes, I love God. I know God. Everything's good. I've got purpose now. I started to work at my church. I was serving in media. I was doing all these things. And I was like, yes, this is my purpose. And then eventually that faded too. It didn't sustain me. And I thought, but this is meant to be my calling. Like I'm, I'm meant to serve God. This is meant to sustain me, but it didn't. Because I think we as Christians sometimes get really caught up in, well, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a worship leader. I'm called to do this. I'm called to be in this ministry. I'm called to be in that ministry. But at the end of the day, it's not actually like it. God uses us in specific ways, but this is a little taster for the end. Um, we are all called and we all have the exact same purpose and meaning. Every single one of us inside the church and out. All of us have the same meaning and we've all been called to do the exact same thing. And we all have this desire placed in us for satisfaction, for meaning, for purpose by God purposely so that we can meet him, so that we can fulfill this purpose. So if we go to chapter three. Now, this is a really famous uh, verse. Again, this verse is normally read out at funerals. So it's not really the most uh, encouraging verse, but I find it encouraging. But anyway, let's go through it. So chapter three, starting in verse one. And I'm going to read 11 verses here. So I'm going to take a sip of water. Um, And so let's go through it. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. So if you you haven't got it, This is saying you are not in control of your life. God is. God determines every single season that we could possibly go through, the good and the bad. And he's also placed eternity on our heart. We go out into the world and we look at the beauty of it. I don't know about you guys, but I really love stargazing. Uh, That's one thing that I super enjoy. Uh, One of my good friends He's really good at astrophotography. Um, And so we go out and we have a look at stars every now and then. And I look at those stars and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like this speaks to the magnitude of our God. But that beauty is a pale reflection of eternity. It's a pale reflection of the hope that we have in the new heavens and the new earth. 
So we look around and we're like, everything is so amazing. Everything is so good. But sometimes bad things come and happen. And then we're like, oh, no, nothing's good. Nothing's good. We so easily want to take the good, but not the bad. But Ecclesiastes said that God gives us both. Um, And so God has determined everything to be in control. And if we realize that everything is out of our control, that we can't seek meaning and purpose in the things of this world because they don't last, then we're better positioned to be able to, to actually enjoy them because it takes the pressure off us. We can appreciate what God has given us, the good and the bad. And so that's why the voice of the teacher, whether it be Solomon or whether it be someone else, was out searching. And that's why most of us are searching. We have been looking at evangelism for the last couple of weeks, uh, and we were so blessed to have the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association here on Thursday. And what I realized in that moment is that a lot of people out there in the world are striving. They're trying to find meaning and they're trying to find purpose. And what I've realized in the last two weeks is that I am so grateful to God that I have found him because there's a lot of people out there who are doing it extremely tough. Um, Yeah, so sorry, I'm just getting a little bit emotional, but I am so grateful to God. And even tonight with, with this sermon, I could be up here and I could be saying, yes, I'm a good preacher. Whether or not you guys think I'm good, that's up to you. You can debate that for yourselves. But I'm up here and I could say I'm the best preacher and I'm really good at this and this is my calling and this is where my meaning and my purpose is. But as soon as I walk out that door and we're mingling afterwards, having coffee, doing what we do, and someone says, hey, really liked your sermon, but... That but has the power to completely deflate me and destroy me and put me in a position where I'm like, my meaning and purpose is gone. Everything is completely collapsed around me. And so what is our meaning and what is our purpose? Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus has come and that he's died on the cross for our sins to reconcile us to the Father so that we can know him. And now, I don't know whether you guys know about the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a a theological buff, buff, if if you will. You probably guys, like if you've spoken to me enough, you've probably picked that up yourselves. Um, And so the Westminster Shorter Catechism, basically after the Reformation, all these like theological dudes with glasses or whatever, got together and they were talking about all the doctrines of Christianity and like, this is Christianity 101. Now, it's in King James English, so there's a lot of thou and this and that and whatever. So, but, praise God, there's one called the New City Catechism that's come out in the last few years and it's in modern English. And it's interesting because this is, like, the catechism is phrased in, like, question and answers. So it gives us good questions and it's, it's, it's meant to be, like, so you can talk with people and you can learn doctrine and all that type of stuff. Um, and Presbyterian, in Presbyterian churches, like kids from the time that they're in, like in Sunday school in kids' church will know the first question to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it's phrased like this. It says, what is the chief end of man? And that basically means like, what is man's purpose? And they can say like 
on repeat, like in two seconds. Like if you go on YouTube and look these kids up, you go up to a random Presbyterian kid on the street and you're like, what is the chief end of man? And he will be like, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Without even thinking about it, this kid will talk about it. The New City Catechism phrases it like this, and, and I like this one a little bit better. Um, it's just as good. And it, the question is phrased this way. How and why did God create us? God created us, male and female, in his own image, to know him, to love him, to live with him, to glorify him, and to enjoy him forever. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. So what this is saying is that in order to find meaning and purpose, we need to find it in the person of God himself. Not, in, not even in the things that God has created, not even in the specific things that God has called us to do for his church or in the workplace. Because all the good things in life are because God is so good, because he is so gracious and out of the abundance of his grace, he has given to every single person family and happiness and joy. And I'm not saying don't go out and travel the world. Don't go out and do good things. Don't go out and do fun things. Go and do them. Enjoy God's creation. But what I'm saying is, is that don't expect that joy and that fulfillment to be lasting because it won't. By the grace of God, we have joy at all in those things. Praise Him. We thank Him for that. But the true way that you find fulfillment in your life entirely from beginning to end that will sustain you throughout your life is to be doing exactly what this says. To know God, to enjoy Him, to glorify Him forever. And so when we're out, when we're doing ministry, we can carry this message with us. We can carry, we can say, well, I'm cool. Like Gershom's an amazing worship leader. So is Chris. Pastor Dex is an amazing preacher. Bryce is an amazing evangelist. <laughs> that too. But whether or not that's a call from God, we can debate. <laughs> but regardless, God has called us to do specific things for his church, right? But those things are for to, meant to be to his glory. And if we're not enjoying him while we do those things, what's the point? Like, what is the point? We can be the most amazing evangelist. We can be the most amazing worship leader. We can be the most amazing preacher. We can be the most amazing anything that God calls people to do ministry for. But if we don't love God and we don't enjoy Him, what's the point of doing it? Um, so, yeah, what is the point? What is the point of doing it? And so, if we go to chapter 11... Um, and oh actually sorry no I will read chapter 11 so we'll start in, in verse 9 you are young be happy while you are young and let your heart give you the joy in the days of your youth follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see but know that all things God will bring into judgment so then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for your youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. 
So my encouragement to you is wherever you're at in your life, and this is, I'm speaking to myself as well. You guys are fortunate you're only having to listen to me for half an hour. I've been having to listen to God for the last three weeks. Um, But I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, just to enjoy God. Just spend time with Him in the Word. Just, Just do whatever you enjoy doing to get close to Him, and that is what's going to sustain you. That is what's going to sustain you. That's what's going to give you true joy. And imagine if we had true joy, the impact we could have in evangelizing. Imagine if people were like, these Christians, it doesn't matter what happens to them. Their houses are falling in. Like this person's got cancer. This person's been in an accident. But they're so joyous. What is wrong with these people? Imagine what, what that would look like out in the world. And so that's just, that's the desire of my heart. And let me tell you, I am not like that. Like naturally, I am not the most joyous person. I'm not the most charismatic person. I'm not the most, uh, like I don't jump around. Uh, I'm sometimes really awkward in worship. Sometimes it's really awkward for me to, to raise my hands. But regardless, I just, my prayer is God, make me just, make me just enjoy you. Make me be so full of joy that people can see it, that I am a light to people around you. And we are so lucky that we know Christ, that He has been able to bring us and reconcile us to the Father so that we can have this joy, that we can have true and lasting joy in the things of God. And let me just say also, if whatever, whatever season you're in at the moment, even if you, you, you feel now and you feel that these words are a little bit sharp for you, I can just say, it doesn't matter. Like, just persevere with it because God is so patient. He loves us. He's so good to us. He sent His Son to die for us. So how much more is He patient with us? And let me just say, relying on God and giving up all the pleasures that we think satisfies us sometimes takes a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. Sometimes we, we expect satisfaction and purpose and meaning from a relationship, whether that be someone in our family, whether that be a spouse, whether that be a boyfriend, girlfriend, whether that be friends even. And we put so much expectation on these people to be able to fulfill us that the minute that they do something that disappoints us, we're gutted. But God's never like that. We can do the worst thing We can disappoint him in whatever way that it is that we disappoint him, but he still loves us. He's so good in that way. And um, if we go now skip, I'm going to skip this bit of um, verse 12 because it's it's, it's a little bit repetitive, but it's it's still good. And I really want to encourage you guys, go home and read Ecclesiastes, but be prayerful about it as well. Say, God, I want you to speak to me from this book um, because it will lay your heart bare before you. It will do that because that's what it's done for me. And so if we go to my final point, and we'll see that here. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the, live, of the wise are like goads. Now, I don't know whether you know what a goad is, but it's a long pointy stick that people use to shepherd sheep. 
And so what that's saying is that all the wise words in here can be like you're getting pricked. It's going to like point you in the right direction, but it's going to hurt while it does it. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Who's our shepherd? Amen. Amen. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end. A much study wearies the body. Now, this reminds me of what Paul says in the New Testament. He says that he is concerned. Now, I forget the book, and I forget who he's speaking to, but I guess it doesn't really matter. He was speaking to one of the new churches in the ancient world. And anyway, he was saying, I'm concerned that the gospel is so simple that it's going to be a stumbling block for you. That the gospel of Christ is so simple that it's going to be a stumbling block for you. And that's what this is saying. This is saying just be careful of, of thinking grand ideas or trying to think that trying to get to God or trying to reach God or trying to fulfill your purpose requires more of you than it actually does because it's really simple. It's really simple. And he says, now all this has been heard. Here is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Now, I don't want you guys to take that as, I have to follow this rule, I have to follow that rule, I have to do this rule, I have to do that rule, because it's not what it is. Jesus said, the two greatest commandments are these, to love you, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he also said something else for us in the church. He said, go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that church is our calling to love God, to love everyone else, and to go out and make disciples. And we can't do those, we have to do those things in that order. We have to love God first then we can love others because out of that overflow, we can love others because when we love God, we know how to love others because we experience the love of God and how good he is to us. And then we can love other people. And then, and then we have a fire in us to be able to go out and to preach the gospel and to say, hey, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He's so good to us. I want you to know him too. I want you to know the love of Christ like I know the love of Christ. And so I'm going to get the worship team to come up now. And we're going to sing. But before we sing, I just, I just want to pray. Um, and what we might do, actually, um, while they're singing, I'm going to pray a prayer. And then I'm going to stand here. And if anybody feels that they need prayer or anything for whatever it is, for whatever you're going through, I'm here. Pastor Dex is here. Please, like, if you need prayer, come up. But I just want to stress that, guys, again, our purpose in life is, is, is based in God and it's to know Him, to love Him and to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Now, I can't give you a long list of things to say, this is how you enjoy God, this is how you enjoy God, this is how you enjoy God. It's going to look different for all of us. But all I can say is that if you ask God, 
Don't be embarrassed to say, God, I want to love you more. God, I want to enjoy you more. Help me to enjoy you. Because he's such a good father that he's going to be like, hey, I can get on board with that. I'm happy for you to love me more. Of course, I'm going to help you to love me more. And so let's just pray. Father God, I thank you that you are such a good God. I thank you that our meaning and our purpose is not in our careers. It's not in what we study. It's not in our relationships. It's not in all the things that the world can provide for us. Although some of those things, many of them are good things and they're good gifts from you, God. Lord, our purpose is in you. And Lord, I just pray for everyone here tonight, God, that there would be such a knowledge of your love for us, God. Lord, your compassion, let it rain on us, God. You are so good. And God, let us remember you. Let us acknowledge you in everything that we do so that our careers, our relationships, we can say, these are good things and I enjoy them and I love them because I love God and I know God and I know these are a gift from God. And just the same, God, I just pray for all of us here that whatever life brings us, whatever things that are not eternal, whatever things that come our way that cause us pain, that cause us trouble, that cause us strife, that throw us for a six, God, that just make us feel so down and feel so broken, Father, I just pray that in those moments, you would just show yourself to us, God. Wherever we're at, God, your, your mercy and your goodness is so abounding that it is enough to cover so many sins, that it is enough to cover so many heartbreaks, God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. Where would we be without you and what you have done for us, God? You're such a good God and we thank you and we glorify you, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with everyone here and that you would stir our hearts with an affection for you, God. Lord, we thank you, we love you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.